Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Recruiting and retaining workers has become a big challenge here in Hamilton. The local real estate board has a new boss. Canada's military spending will forever fall short. We answer the age-old question, does the changing weather forecast make you sick? A new twist on remote versus in-person work. And the Leafs get even with the lightning. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Since the start of the pandemic, it has been a challenge for employers to hook up with employees. It has been a roller coaster of a ride in the workplace, uh, in person or virtual. And the city of Hamilton certainly has its own challenges in that regard. And this is not necessarily just pandemic related. Um, The challenge is so real that the city has launched a recruitment and retention strategy as it struggles to maintain its position as an employer of choice. We have some work-life balance issues we need to address. Staff want career advancement opportunities at the city and that our compensation is no longer competitive. So as you can hear from City Manager Jeanette Smith uh, just the other day, that, uh, yeah, the challenge is real. There are big factors at play here. Let's bring in Jeanette Smith, the City Manager with the City of Hamilton, and Laura Fontana, Executive Director of Human Resources with the City. Jeanette, Laura, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having us on. Uh, Laura, we'll start with you. What is happening right now in Hamilton? Why is this such a challenge? So good morning and, and thanks for having us. So we're, we are seeing a fight for talent uh, at the city, uh, having a, a really tight labor market. Uh, there's been an increased number of staff who have ever either left uh, for other jobs uh, and retired, and we're having struggles with the uh, equitable workload and work-life balance. And we know that we're competing with other employers in terms of offering competitive wages. And, and these were the factors that we considered when we engage the third-party consultant to review our, our circumstances, to review our structure, uh, the organizational structure, as well as our compensation structure. And that uh, review was completed in the fall of last year. Jeanette, when it comes to this recruitment and retention strategy, what do you hope will come out of it? So I, I want to maintain our position as to be an employer of choice. We certainly know from our employee survey we do every three years that our employees love working here and want to recommend it to others, that we um, you know, have stable staffing levels, that staff have the ability to advance their career here. They don't have to leave to go to another municipality. And, and ultimately, we can continue to deliver, you know, consistent, reliable, high quality services to the, the um, residents of Hamilton and that we can really advance some of our key priorities like housing. Laura, are these employees who are leaving, are they going to other municipalities? Are they going to the private sector? Is it a little bit of a mix of both? And and why are they ultimately uh, leaving for another job? So it, it is a, a mix. Uh, they're, they're leaving for the other municipalities and the private sector, but the majority of them are leaving for other municipalities uh, because of the uh, primarily the uh, implications of the pandemic. Uh, there's greater choice now. They can uh, live in Hamilton, for example, and uh, work in the GTA uh, through the hybrid model. They don't have to commute uh, every day. They have a, a hybrid uh, arrangement where they can work from home uh, and work for another municipality that, uh, in, in many cases, offers a greater compensation package. So these are the options that are, are now available to employees. 
and they're taking advantage of it. And that was, uh, again, one of the primary reasons that we needed to look at our structure and our compensation practices so that we could be more competitive and, uh, and and compete with these larger municipalities in the GTA. Our guests on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, City Manager Jeanette Smith and Executive Director of the HR Department, Laura Fontana. We're talking about uh, recruiting and retaining employees within the City of Hamilton. And Jeanette, back to you. Um, how many people do we need and what impact has this shortage had? Yeah, so on the non-union side, we have about 1,100 employees. And so there's certain pockets that are being most impacted. Um, As I mentioned, housing is a priority, like moving development applications through. And so plans examiners, um, engineering developers, Uh, planners. And so we, um, you know, there's those positions. We've been having trouble getting senior auditors to do our audits. Um, One of the key ones is we want to hire a director of a housing secretariat to really move forward our new housing roadmap. And uh, we've posted a couple times and uh, we're still looking. Uh, So it's definitely in certain pockets and um, it is slowing down some of our work and affecting our service levels. Laura, what is the bigger challenge? Is it recruiting that uh, star employee or is it keeping them around? I think at this point in time, it's the recruitment. Uh, We're having, as Jeanette mentioned, these vacancies um, are are, are happening and we're having some difficulty in um, attracting employees, potential employees. When we make them an offer, uh, their current employer comes back and makes their uh, current uh, compensation or employment-related conditions more attractive for them, and it's hard for us to compete. So getting them uh, in the door has been a a, a struggle for sure. Uh, we have had a higher uh, than average uh, turnover rate, uh, many resignations and retirements, but our struggles are also in attracting them to join the city Again, because that competition is wider, it's more in the GTA. And then when we do offer uh, uh, employment to some of these uh, potential candidates, uh, their current employer comes back with a more attractive offer for them, and they end up staying where they are. Jeanette, we got about a minute. Last one to you, the strategy timeline. What are we looking at uh, for full implementation here? Yeah, so um, some of the changes we're looking around the compensation we're putting in place right away. We are doing a review of our structure. That'll take um, a, a few months to do that full structure review to look at how people can advance in the organization and, and find that work-life balance. Um, we're putting some things in place sooner than later about how we market the city as a great place to come to work. Uh, and then we're also working on some technology that'll take a little longer, that'll just speed up that recruitment process. So when in prospective employees are involved in two or three um, job competitions, we move through it fast. Well, we bid uh, both of you good luck in this regard. It is a very different employment landscape now than what we saw just a few years ago. Uh, We'll certainly touch base with you down the road to get an update on how this strategy is unfolding. That would be great. That's awesome. Thank you. Jeanette Smith, City Manager of City of Hamilton. Laura Fontana, Executive Director of the HR Department at uh, City Hall. Yeah, this this is, it's a struggle. It's a fight. And, you know, Hamilton's not alone in this. When you throw in, you know, the explosion of hybrid work options. Oh, I can work from home and do this job? Okay, I'll, I'll jump into that boat. This fits my work-life balance, as you heard from Miss Smith in that regard. 
You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You have probably been following the wild and wackiness of Hamilton's housing sector. It has been a roller coaster over the last number of years. Early, very early on in the pandemic, we're all thinking, oh, that's it. The bubble's bursting. Housing market is going to absolutely crash. CMHC came out thinking we're going to have a, a an 18% negative on the real estate sector. And it was quite the opposite, wasn't it? Quite the opposite. It absolutely mushroom clouded. Now, it has settled down a little bit, but it is, uh, it's picking up steam again in terms of buying and selling, multiple offers, more competition. Uh, what is the sense of the new president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington? Well, let's ask him. Nicholas Von Bredo is the new president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Nicholas, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, well, we'll start off with your thoughts on becoming president. Why was this uh, a goal of yours? Oh, it's an exciting um, ambition I had for my career. I thought it's um, also I wanted to contribute back to a wonderful industry that we have here and make sure that, I mean, there's a, a wonderful industry for realtors so we can support our local communities and our local uh, members in the community and their housing initiatives. Are, are there goals that you have within this position in terms of moving the industry forward? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I want to make sure that there's... Um, good access to data for all the realtors across our province so we can um, help our help our community members with their housing goals. What are your thoughts on the current real estate market? It has been over the last year uh, a bit of a change from what we saw earlier on in the pandemic. Yeah, it has been. I mean, we've, we're trending upwards in regards to pricing and activity so far in April, and it is the fourth consecutive month that we have a price increase happening. So on March, we had an average price in the RAB market area of around seven seventy five. And now in April, we're um, close to an average price or median price of around $800,000 for a house. Not only are we seeing uh, an uptick in sales and an increase in the average house price in the city, we're also seeing more competition, more multiple offers coming in. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's first started off in just certain neighborhoods and certain pockets of the city, but now we're seeing it across the whole city that's picking up. And I mean, in January, our days on market was around 29. And so far in April now, we're only at 10 days on average days on markets for a home. So that shows you that there's a lot more demand coming out again. And I think it's um, because, I mean, the stability of the interest rates and also with the nicer weather, I think people are just more willing to get out there. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Nicholas Von Bredo, the president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington, talking about his new role and the state of the real estate sector here in this city. Where do you, if you look in your crystal ball, where do you see us going in the coming year? I think we're going to have a steady, slow increase in prices, and coming into the fall, there'll probably be a bit of a surge again. Um, we do have a pent-up demand from buyers. I mean, we do have a housing shortage um, in our city, in our province, and across the nation. So I think a lot of those buyers were just on the sideline to understand what was happening with the changes in the market and the interest rate increases. But I think a lot of them are coming back again into the market right now as we know that um, they've stopped increasing interest rates temporarily at the moment now, so it is an opportunity to get back in. Um, inventory is also increasing, so there's more listings coming available. So that is an opportunity for buyers also to have more choice. So I really think we're just going to continue having a, a steady increase in activity and in prices. The supply demand factor really put a squeeze on many prospective home buyers, especially uh, in the early going of the pandemic, 2020, 21, and to a certain extent, 2022, at least in the spring. Um, are we seeing an improvement in the supply or are we still in a very tight market? 
Oh, we, we are seeing an improvement in the supply. I mean, um, so far in April, we're seeing an increase of inventory of 4.7 months, which provides buyers more choice um, the la- more choice than last year. And we saw a record low inventory of 0.9, 0.9 months of inventory during the peak of the pandemic. So we are in a, a lot better of a position for buyers to have more choice. The uh, provincial government has set uh, targets for building many, many, many more homes. Is that attainable? Are you excited about that? Or are you worried that we're not going to hit those numbers? Where's your mindset at? I'm excited that the government is um, making changes to hopefully help with the um, the housing crisis that we have. And I mean, attainable, I'm not sure, but we'll continue working towards those goals and see where it takes us. But I'm happy that the government is trying to make those changes to help the industry and help the market for the general consumer. Agreed. Nicholas, we'll have to leave it there. Appreciate your time uh, this morning. We'll uh, touch base down the road. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. That's Nicholas Von Bredow, the president, new president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington. It has been a topsy-turvy real estate market uh, for the last, well, I'd say certainly since the start of the pandemic. The last year has been a little calmer than the first two years of the COVID-19 pandemic. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Spoke about this yesterday, and it's important to continue this discussion. It has to do with Canada's commitments, financial commitments to defense spending and the Prime Minister facing questions about his government's spending commitments after a report suggested he privately told official officials at NATO that Canada is never going to meet the military alliance's 2% of GDP spending target. I continue to say and will always say that Canada is a reliable partner to NATO, a reliable partner around the world, and uh, with our military investments, with the support we give to Canadians, we will uh, continue to be doing that. Dennis Thompson is a retired Major General with the Canadian Armed Forces, a 39-year military veteran who was NATO's Commander of Task Force Kandahar in 2008-09, a fellow at Canadian Global Affairs Institute and the University of Manitoba Centre for Defence and Security Studies, and we thank him for waking up with us this morning on Good Morning Hamilton. Major General Thompson, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ray. I'm fine. And yourself? I'm good. Uh, Let's dive into this um, report from NATO that shows that Canada spent 1.29% of its GDP on defense spending last year. That's down from 1.32% in 2021. Uh, And it's part of our poll question of the day today. Are you okay with Canada not living up to its spending commitment? Where do you stand on that? Well, first of all, Rick, I think it's important to point out that I'm not the least bit shocked. Uh, these numbers have been around for a while, and we've never met the 2% target since, I believe, the middle of the 1960s. Uh, the U.S. has always been indulgent with respect to our complete lack of enthusiasm for defense spending, and I think most Canadians would recognize that you don't win elections by fully funding defense priorities. So I'm not surprised. Uh, but I must say that I'm all, I've always been disappointed because the nation's first priority or first responsibility is the defense of its people. And uh, there's been a target clearly set out for us by NATO that we've never been able to meet in recent decades. So, um, uh, you know, I, I guess I would summarize by simply saying that uh, if we're going to be credible in the planet as a middle power, then we've got to step up to the plate and fully fund our military. Canada is not alone in this regard, though. Only seven of NATO's 30 member nations actually met that 2% target last year. Is it too high? Is it too unattainable? Well, I'm not an economist, but uh, we are 
in the G7, one of the richest nations on the planet, certainly per capita, one of the richest nations on the planet. Uh, some countries are stepping up to the plate that hadn't been in the past. Most of them are in Eastern Europe, but even the Germans now uh, are reprofiling their budget in order to meet this 2% target because it's important that we prepare for a future that's going to be populated by a number of autocrats. Right now we see the war raging in Ukraine uh, with Russia pressing every day to, to gobble up more and more of Ukraine's territory, unsuccessfully, thankfully, just to this point. And of course, we've got China looming in the in the Asia Pacific. Uh, this this is like uh, Canada is in the 1930s, if you will. So, yeah, we had some difficult uh, economic times in the 1930s with the Depression, etc. But we still knew that there was a war looming in Europe, the Second World War that started in 1939, and we were woefully unprepared for that. And it took us years to get ready. I don't believe that we're going to have years when when the next conflagration comes around. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is retired Major General Dennis Thompson of the Canadian Armed Forces, and we're chatting about Canada's military spending commitment and how it's fallen uh, has fallen short for decades of that two percent target. Even though that target was set uh, about ten years ago, we're still falling short of that. Let me ask you about the leaked Pentagon documents because it suggests that Canada's widespread military deficiencies are straining partner relationships and alliance contributions. That's a quote right from the leaked documents. What do you think our NATO partners are thinking about how we uh, have invested in the military and how we're unleashing the military around the world? Well, Canada has always had an excellent reputation at the tactical level. I mean, I can say without a hint of hyperbole that while... Canadian Armed Forces members uh, have been engaged in several missions around the world with limited resources. They've always been able to step up to the plate. And one good example is actually Ukraine. I think it's broadly known now that Canada trained over 30,000 Ukrainian junior leaders during the period between uh, the the annexation of Crimea and the kickoff of this current war. And, and so uh, they get, we get value for money from our military but we don't spend enough money on it. So I think what's happening is uh, the um, our allies are getting frustrated with us. There's a number of pieces of equipment that are starting to, uh, to age out, like the CF-18s, and, and I'm an Army officer, but I'm a big fan of the F-35. I mean, we have got to get on board with the next generation of technology, whether that's unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, better anti-armor weapons, loitering munitions and and of course air defense which were woefully inadequate in so there's a number of issues where uh, where our credibility is shaken because we just are not equipping our first class soldiers with the equipment that they need we have 90 more seconds with retired major general from the canadian armed forces dennis thompson here on good morning hamilton on 900 chml you mentioned ukraine we're, we're assisting them we have a battle group uh in latvia we obviously have a commitment to norad is our military stretched too thin it appears to be the case i mean i understand that they're under by sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand soldiers out of a total regular force complement that's some that's supposed to be somewhere in the vicinity of seventy thousand so they're stretched to the point where they cannot make further commitments. Uh, you point out in Latvia that there's a battle group, but of course it's expanding to be a brigade eventually and somewhere in the vicinity of 1,500 soldiers. So there's certainly no end of, uh, of a demand signal for Canadian Armed Forces troops, but uh, they, they need to, and they know this because they're working on it, they need to pick up at the recruitment end 
and just training the trained effective strength, getting it up to a level where they can contribute meaningfully without burning people out. Major General Thompson, we'll have to leave it there. I really appreciate your time this morning. That is a retired Major General Dennis Thompson of the Canadian Armed Forces, a 39-year military vet who was NATO's commander of Task Force Kandahar back in 2008-09. It's also the focus of our poll question of the day, NATO spending and our commitments to that. 2% of GDP is a big number. Are you okay with Canada not living up to those expectations when it comes to military defense spending. Yes or no? Vote now on Twitter at AM900CHML. Send me a text at 905-645-3221. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900CHML. As we welcome the arrival of spring, we're also experiencing this roller coaster of weather. Moving from scorching heat one day like we had last week to icy colds the next which we certainly had earlier on this week we even had flurries can a drastic change in weather actually make you sick well many experts say yeah and that they warn that this could take a toll on our physical health stephen chung is a professor of kinesiology at brock university and joins us now on good morning hamilton on 900 chml stephen good morning how are you I'm doing well, Rick. How are you? I'm good. For years, people have blamed the weather for getting sick. Warm one day, cool or cold the next, and, you know, the next thing you know, you kind of feel run down, you kind of feel blah. Is it really the weather? I personally don't really think it is. I think, uh, you know, for example, when we had the sudden heat last week, it's probably more a fact that we suddenly saw the nice sunshine, decided to do all sorts of things that we weren't ready for. And so, for example, I went and did a four and a half hour bike ride on Sunday when it was so nice. And uh, my longest ride of the year before then was about an hour and a half, two hours. So probably part of the kind of the change in the seasons is just people changing their activity and doing things that they aren't used to or maybe are not ready for. And I know in some of my friends' case, they forgot the put sunscreen on so <laughs> they got massively sunburned so where else they forgot to drink because it's such a long long activity that they're doing so it's probably more kind of that sudden shift in activity is probably part of it when you're going into the heat we do know that athletes do need to adapt to heat if they are preparing for a competition like the tokyo olympics we do a very systematic approach to getting them ready for the heat so there are definitely kind of things that we can do to kind of improve our performance but in terms of health i think it's not really as big for the everyday population and i think the same thing happens when we go in the cold uh, most of us it is really just managing our wardrobe and the sensation of cold cold on our skin feels really uncomfortable at first but then after about a week, we adapt to it and we become desensitized to the cold. So it's not as affecting us as much. So I think we're pretty good and adaptable at, at how we're able to handle different weather conditions, unless it's really, really extreme, like in the middle of Ontario summer, where we have massive heat waves and humidity, and that can be a very big health challenge. So the next time I hear someone say, I don't feel quite well, you know, I think it's the weather. Is it is it in their mind? Are they kind of manufacturing this excuse? Uh, I, I don't want to say everything is in your mind, but I do think a good part of it is it's just, you know, I mean, we've had a long winter, right? And uh, it seemed to drag on forever, and then we suddenly get this 
week of terrific weather and then we're all suddenly happy and it's like oh no here we go again and so there is certainly something to the fact that we just want winter to be over and we're kind of sick and tired of being cold and you know so it does kind of cause our mood to to drop and especially when we're teased with really nice weather and uh yeah so i, I don't think there is really kind of uh in the swings that we've seen the last couple of weeks, I don't think there is a huge kind of health risk. Having said that, you know, if very, very cold weather, obviously, like we've had in the winter or maybe minus 10 or whatever, that can be definitely a health risk. And same thing with very extreme heat in the again middle of Ontario summer. But you know, the shift that we've seen, you know, was still within kind of seasonal range was it was sharp. It was about 20 degree difference, but we're dealing with from about, you know, five degrees up to 25 degrees, which is temperatures that humans can handle very comfortably. We only got about a minute. There are uh, some people who complain of, you know, headaches or sore joints when, you know, the barometric pressure changes. What's happening in our body when that does occur? Well, when that happens, it's mostly kind of sinus pressure. When there's sudden changes in in pressure, uh, you know, we have lots of air pockets and sinus cavities in our skull. And if there is a lot of pressure changes, that can kind of expand or contract. And yeah, that can certainly lead to kind of just the feeling of stuffy noses and things like that. And that may be what people are also considering. And, uh, yeah, so, and yes, certainly some people do feel the joints acting up a little bit. I think it's, it's more just, again, the change in the weather, um, you know, kind of affecting it very transiently, but not, you know, it's not a long-term health issue, I think. Interesting insight from Stephen Cheng, the professor of kinesiology at Brock University. Stephen, appreciate the time today. You're very welcome, Rick. Have a great day. You too. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're talking about remote work versus in-person work. And this is based on the response we received from the CHML poll question yesterday, in which we asked you, would you prefer, if you had your way, would you prefer to work from home if you had the choice. And we got quite an interesting response. Um, basically, at the end of the day, most people said, yeah, this, this makes sense for me. 45% said, yeah, this would be great. 19% said, no thanks. Another 19% said, I just can't do so. Maybe those are those uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, healthcare workers who have to be on the job. And 17% said, well, I work from home already. Are you jealous, for those of you who are in the physical workspace, are you jealous of coworkers or others who can and are working from home? 905-645-3221. I, I, I will say this. I will be completely honest with you. At the start of the pandemic, I was a little jealous from, uh, 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 about those who could work from home. I thought, well, that would be kind of nice. You know, you... You don't have to drive, and frankly, I don't have to drive that far anyways to get into work. I'm on the mountain, but I don't have to drive. I, heck, I don't even have to shower. I don't even have to brush my teeth. No one's around me if I'm broadcasting from home. You know, I can put up a warning sign to say, you know, steer clear of the, of the little studio that I have. But at the end of the day, you can, you know, do and, and, and appear how you want as long as you're not on camera. 
You know, once you hit that team or Zooms meeting, yeah, you got to spiff up a little bit. Uh, are you jealous of those who can stay home, who can work from home? 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell phone. And then I was jealous until I had to work from home when I did get COVID last September. And so I'm broadcasting from home and I thought, well, this sucks. I'd rather be in the workspace. I'd rather be in the studio. I'd rather be connected with other people, my teammates, on a day-to-day basis. Like, it's a lot more fun to be here than at home. What do you think? 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Are you jealous of those who can work from home? And do you think, I've had this in the back of my mind, do you think this is slowly separating our society, not necessarily from the haves and have-nots, because there are certain jobs you must be there, right? Like those police officers, like those firefighters, like those individuals who are keeping us healthy. You have to be at work. I was a little surprised at that 45% figure as well. I thought that was a little high. I didn't think that many of you would say, yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. Now, maybe that's because that 45% do have to be on the job, but they might have just the, uh, the slimmest of hopes of being able to work from home. And they, maybe they have a coworker who does, and they think, wow, that would be fun. Yeah, for me, initially, I thought, yeah, that would be fun. And then when I got to do it, I thought, eh, it's not, <laughs> it's not all that in a bag of chips. I'll tell you that. Uh, send me an email on this, rick at 900chml.com, or on our text line, 905-645-3221. Before we go in this segment, I got to bring you this. And it has to do with remote work and, and in-person work as well. Because here we have a CEO of an American company. It's called Miller Knoll. It's, it's a furniture company down in the States. Who, <laughs> who was at one point trying to motivate her team to sell more stuff, office furniture, desks, chairs, that kind of stuff. And then just started on a wild and wacky rant because many employees were concerned about their compensation levels, their bonuses. Were they getting a bonus or not? And apparently this company was striving to sell $26 million in furniture and, and, and associated supplies. So listen to CEO Andy Owen from Miller Knoll. Here's her message when employees were bringing up compensation concerns. Questions came through about how can we stay motivated if we're not going to get a bonus? What can we do? What can we do? Some of them were nice and some of them were not so nice. So I'm going to address this head on. The most important thing we can do right now is focus on the things that we can control. None of us could have predicted COVID. None of us could have predicted supply chain. None of us could have predicted bank failures. But what we can do is stay in front of our customers, provide the best customer service we can, get our orders out our door, treat each other well, be kind, be respectful respectful, focus on the future because it will be bright. It's not good to be in a situation we're in today, but we're not going to be here forever. It is going to get better. So lead, lead by example, treat people well, talk to them, be kind and get after it. Don't ask about what are we going to do if you don't get a bonus? Get the damn $26 million. Spend your time and your effort thinking about the $26 million we need and not thinking about what you're going to do if we don't get a bonus. All right. Can I get some commitment for that? I would appreciate that. I had an old boss who said to me one time, you can visit Pity City, but you can't live there. So people leave Pity City. Let's get it done. Thank you. Have a great day. 
Wow. I mean, it started positive, uplifting, inspirational, let's get it, team. And then, whammo! Like, stop complaining, tow the party line, sell, sell, sell. Oh, by the way, in in response to compensation concerns from her employees, let's not forget, she's the CEO. Fortune Magazine says Andy Owen, on top of her $1.1 million base salary, she got a bonus last year of $3.9 million. <laughs> She's now apologizing for her rent, and rightfully so. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. In game one of the Maple Leafs' lightning NHL playoff series, the Leafs were knocked down, and they were knocked down hard. In game two, Toronto turned the tables on Tampa Bay. They were good in game one. They need to be good here. That was almost a long positive. Here comes Marner. Fire scores! It's 47 seconds in! Chris Cuthbert the call on Sportsnet. It was quite the beatdown at the hands of the Maple Leafs. 7-2 Toronto over Tampa Bay. Let's bring in our next guest, Stephen Sahoyas, digital producer at North Star Bets, who joins us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm good. I, I can't recall a pair of playoff series opening games that were day and night different that we saw in Game 1 and Game 2. What the heck is going on? <laughs> it's the full Maple Leaf experience, and we're only two games into the playoffs. I saw a stat last night. They were the first team ever to allow seven goals in Game 1 and then score seven in Game 2. It's already the full Maple Leaf experience, and we haven't even gone to Tampa Bay yet. <laughs> the absence of Lightning defensemen Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak were certainly obvious last night. If those two guys are not back for Game 3, and that's still a question mark, uh, Tampa's in trouble. Agreed, 100%. You look, it'll get a little easier for Tampa Bay being at home and being able to line match a little better, but with Sheldon Keith getting that last change at home, he was able to pick on an already weak Tampa Bay defense. And Hedman is like an ultimate eraser. He will take away your best player and your best line. Without him in the lineup, and Chernak, who's taken on a bigger role with a lot of guys leaving Tampa Bay, like McDonough and Jan Ruta, they really missed those two. That was a thin-looking Bolts defense core last night. I'm glad you mentioned the, the line-matching aspect because Maple Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe in Game 1 tried to keep Austin Matthews' line away from Anthony Sorelli's line, which is a great checking line, and then in Game 2 said, to heck with that, let's let's just go with, with the horses that brought us here. Uh, Mitch Marner had a couple of goals and an assist. Austin Matthews, a couple of assists. Callie Yarncroft, the other winger on that line, had some pretty good looks. Do, do you anticipate Toronto using the same game plan uh, for game three, despite the fact that Tampa will have last change? I think so. I think, you know, with the Maple Leafs, you've got these core four players. We talk about them all the time. Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, Austin Matthews. They get paid the big bucks. They've got to be able to go toe-to-toe against anybody that that other team throws at them. The whole premise of building a team like this is say, we're going to put four forwards together and there's nothing you can do to stop them. They're going to overmatch you no matter what. So I think if you're Sheldon Keefe, let your best players be your best players. And they were. They set the tone in last night's game. we got a minute. Uh, this is now a best of five. Do you anticipate more of the same craziness? Or is this going to calm down, at least on the scoreboard? I think it's going to calm down. I think you're going to see teams play a little bit more of a tight checking game. Now that they've you know, had a few games to figure each other out, they, they do have familiarity being in the division and playing last year. But 
there's something about meeting again in the playoffs. I think you're going to see things temper down. Now, mind you, if Tampa Bay doesn't get healthy on defense, you might see some higher scores from the Maple Leafs continuing to move forward. Well, as a Leafs fan, I would not mind that one iota. Steven, appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the rest of the series. Yeah, thank you very much, Rick. You too. That is Stephen Sohoyas, digital producer at North Star. Bats, Leafs, Lightning, tied at a game apiece. Game three tomorrow night in Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.